John 15, verse 9. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for the love of God that compelled you to give your only begotten Son so that whoever would believe in him, we would not perish but see and receive eternal everlasting life. That cost you everything to give your only begotten son. Lord Jesus, thank you that you were willing for the anticipating the promise of a church that would become your bride. You were willing to lay down your life so that you could then now wash us with the water of your word and we could become uh, holy without spot, that we could be sanctified fully into your glory. Salvation could fully express in our lives. Thank you that you have that kind of faith that didn't believe just to uh, get us saved, but to get us glorified. And all of that having been accomplished in your death, in your burial, in your resurrection, we now ask that you, by the Spirit of God, would announce these things, awaken these things, strengthen these works in our lives so that we can follow you as you followed the Father so fully. In Jesus' name, amen. John 15, 9, is a, Jesus is on the road down to Gethsemane. He's about to be arrested. And for the last, you know, from chapter 13 to chapter 17, 18, is all one night. So it's an intense time. And John is the beloved disciple who had his uh, head on Jesus' chest in the midst of the upper room and had a real heart, sense of the Lord. So he records things that were said that are not recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This is a secret, I believe, that he then uh, shows us up in his epistles. Jesus says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Abiding in love is an art and a skill that we can develop in the midst of a crooked, perverse generation, in the midst of conflicts, and it's to be held because Jesus said, I have, as the Father loved me, I have loved you. Now abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. It's the things that God speaks to us concerning our walk with him. And Jesus, in verse chapter 13, had just introduced his commandment, which was to love as he has been, as we were loved, to be let, as he loved us, to love as he loved us. And it'll be reiterated. So if you think about the one commandment that matters the most, because God is love, is to love and to abide in that love and to be filled with his love. So he says, keep my commandment and abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandment and I abide in his love. The reason we're so perfectly loved is because we're in Christ, and nothing can separate us from the love of God for us in Christ Jesus. God has developed, came up with the perfect solution to sin, rebellion, selfishness, Satan, it all, by saying, I will deal with it on my son, then I'll make him alive, I'll raise him up, I'll seat him with 
next to me, and everyone who believes in what I accomplished in my son will be for them the same. So my love for them as I have for my son, my justification, my healing, my deliverance, what I did for my son, I've done for everyone who believes in my son. So these things, Jesus said, I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and your joy may be full. Fullness of joy. I don't know if anybody could use some joy, but joy is a joy strength. Joy enables us to go through trials and tests. In fact, we're supposed to count it all joy when we fall into diverse and difficult temptations because that testing is working patience, and patience is going to bring perfection. So joy, though, gives the strength that your joy may be full. Lord, I'd like you to fill my joy. Anybody would like it? Lord, would you speak to me today so I can have fullness of joy, that I can hear your voice, and I can be full of joy, and your joy remain in me. Praise you, Lord Jesus. So we, reading the Bible to me is like praying. It's, it's, it's my suggestion of what I ought to ask for and expect and receive. This is my commandment. Jesus now state, reiterates that you love one another as I have loved you. He totally took the love of one another as you love yourself and elevated it far beyond what loving each other as our neighbor, ourselves, loving our neighbor as we love ourselves, because he said, I want you now to love the way I've loved you. But the good news is you have to be loved to love. I just thought I'd stop and see if I lost you. You have to be loved. The way the Lord put it to me a bunch of years ago, he said, in order for you to love my com as I command you, I have, you have to receive my love for you. You can only love the way I love by being loved by me. So that, that changed the, the, the focus. I, I, I can't generate the love of God from within. But if I'm receiving the love of God, I can keep it flowing, which often is a, is a very important part of keeping the love of God vibrant in our own life. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down one's life for his friends. The word life is not your physical life, so that means you have to die physically, or your eternal life that you receive in Jesus Christ. It's your soul. It's your suke. It's your thoughts, my feelings, my emotions, my life. It's my time. It's what I want to do. It's when I don't want to do, I have to do what I don't want to do because that's out of love for someone. I'm going to do what I don't want to do. That's laying down your life. And he says, when you do that, that's, there's no greater love than that. So one of the pulls for love to flow, and we'll see it in a moment, is to be something requiring of us to give love where we don't have the desire to, the ability to, the capacity to. That we feel like. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends for all things I heard from my Father I've made known to you. So we're abiding in love, and the words God's the commandment Jesus has given us, and now we're being told that I'm going to reveal who I am to you. I'm not leaving you in the dark. You're not going to be in the dark which means we can pull on that promise and say, Lord, show me what you're doing. Help me understand where we are. 
Where am I to be? How am I to follow you? John 10 said, I, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So the knowing is the experience of having a, an, a, a moment of conversation, of truth out of the Scripture, out of the witness of the Spirit in my heart that says, this is who I am, this is what I'm saying to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. So one of the points of fruitfulness is answered prayer, is to have God answer the prayers we're praying because the Father will answer our prayer, and he'll do it in the name of Jesus. It's a powerful thing to always remember. He's not answering my prayer based on my merit or based on even my need. He's answering my prayer based on the name of his son, Jesus. And if I just say the name, you just say his name, Jesus, I, Father, I need this help here. I need your strength there. I need to bear fruit here in your name. Father, in Jesus' name, let me now bear the fruit in this area of life. These things I command you, Jesus said, that you love one another. So, go with me to 1 John 4. Oh, you guys are quiet today. Is it that hot out here? Are you thinking real hard? We're listening. Praise you, Jesus. 1 John 4, verse 9. <laughs> Thank you, Father. That's James. Nope, we're, I think verse 7. That's why I was looking at to find my Bible. Yes, that's perfect. A lot of years, love was not something I wanted to be told to do because it seemed more the hardest thing I could possibly do. Although I wanted to obey the Lord. But I didn't, didn't see its value and I didn't understand how it functioned. So I would like the fruit of the Spirit kind of go, well, that's just a bunch of more things I'm supposed to be like and I'm not that person. But then I found out it's all from God. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. So the closer I'm in the fellowship with God, the more the love of God is close to me. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now, the powerful thing that I've learned in recent years is when I am in a position to love that I may not want to love, but I need to love because Jesus is love, and I accept that that's only one, one, one uh, care for the humanity. God loved the world. He doesn't just love Christians. He loved the world. He loves everyone. And so whenever love starts to flow again, it's God starts to move. And he who does not know, does not love, does not know God, for God is love. So the first John chapter one tells us that the, the story goes that if we're, if we don't love, then we are walking in darkness. If we're walking in darkness, we don't know what we're stumbling over. First John chapter 3 tells us if we do not love but 
we hate our brother. We, it's not like, a, I kind of like you, I kind of don't. No, it's, I'm, you know, fervent love covers a multitude of sins. The love of God is the bound, bond of perfection without love exuding. Jesus went so far as to say, love your enemies. Now, again, I tried that in my own strength out of conviction of the Scripture, but I can't. And then you give up. But, but in Christ, we're going to see in a moment, there's a whole other venue of allowing love to flow. And that's what I believe he wants to release for each of us. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. That's not, he's love. He's not hope. He's not joy. He's not peace. He is the God of joy, God of peace, the God of hope. But only does it say God is love. So love is something I've got to find myself in. I have to receive, but I also have to be committed to let it keep flowing. And, and unfortunately, it's so easy to begin to, instead of loving, especially when we're being taken from and don't know how to return to the Lord and recalibrate in his presence, to begin to shut our bowels, shut our heart, and stop allowing love to flow because it's just getting too expensive or it's, there's no reciprocation. Uh, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So how do, what did love look like? God giving his son, sending him into the world as an apostle. That's what the word sent means, that we might live through him. And the word live I've told you before, we said live was suke, my life. And then there's zoe, which is eternal life. But this is zao, which means our, our basic life, the day we live, today's life, the thing we're living through. So to live in this life, God's given us his son that we could live through him. So he's not just trying to live through us. We can actually do an incredible lot of things through him. And so to live, zao, which is Z-A-O instead of zoe, Z-O-E, is through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and has sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. So we are inside of love because not we chose. We didn't initiate this. We didn't go, hey, God, please, I need help. I want to get out of sin. I want to live my own uh, a life unsanctified unto you. I want to learn who you are and trust you in all things. No, we were content to be idolaters and do our own thing as long as nothing went bad. God said, no, I've got to bring you out of where you are, and I've got to have someone to pay for it. That'll be my son. He's a propitiation, atonement. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, this is where I believe as believers, we have given a, been given a responsibility to choose to initiate, activate loving one another. And if we ref pull back on loving one another, we then start to dry up the experience of being loved because it's like giving. If we're not giving, we start drying up and, not, and stop receiving. But if we are loving, then we are, there's more love flowing. 
if we withhold love, then the love that we are longing for. And what happens, it's happened to me so many times, I become super needy. I run around going, I, I, don't, feel, I don't feel complete. I, I, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm not sure what I should do. And I, I want to be affirmed. And somebody help me. Tell me what I should do. And, and it's because I've started save, protecting myself, saving my life, trying to deliver myself out of the problem rather than just love in the midst of the problem, just release God's love outwardly versus trying to get love from God from others. The scripture tells us very clearly in the New Covenant that love is not something we're to seek. We're to abide in and we're to give away. But we're not trying to get love from each other. In fact, the more I try to get, like, the more I want Cammie to love me, the more miserable I'll be. Because she was never meant to be my source of love. And if I, if I go to God and say to her, you're not, God, talk to Cammie because she's not loving me. She's my wife. She's supposed to be loving me, encouraging me, making me feel wonderful. She's not doing any of that. Would you mind helping me by talking to my wife? Ha, anybody ever prayed a prayer like that for you? You know what happened. What has happened? He'll say, uh, let's not talk about Cammie. Let's talk about you. What about you loving her? What about you building her up? What about you giving away? And, you know, it doesn't take long. You learn it's best not to point somebody else out. Right? You, you know, and it'll expand. You can take it to the global, global uh, ramifications about wanting God to fix some, something about us by fixing someone else. He's always saying, why don't we just become long-suffering and forbearing? Why don't we just start forgiving? Why don't you say good things over them? Prophesy, bless them. And you go, but I need them to do something first. And God says, no, that's not how love works. I initiated it with my son. I'll initiate change with you. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. This is crazy. I mean, what I'm suggesting because love is a, you can be commanded to love. Because Jesus said, this is my commandment. Love one another as I've loved you. So love is, love is a volitional initiation. You initiate it by choosing, I'm going to walk in love here. I'm going to love here. I'm going to love my wife here. I'm going to love my children here. I'm going to love my boss here. I'm going to love my employees here. I am going to love my nation I'm going to love my neighbor. It's in a decision. But now the resource got to come from God. But, but if you say, God, I want you to give me all of these feelings of love, usually what he, I haven't found that works. I mean, there's moments in the glory. Yeah, we're all sloppy and agape and happy and hugging, and it's just beautiful. But that's not the kind of love that says, I'll get up early to take care of you. I'll go an extra mile to support your project. I'll, I will help you uh, in a way that i rather not, but, but love demands. It's, it's a very powerful thing. And when that love is abiding, when we're abiding, God abiding us, his love starts perfecting us. And love will per perfection means completion. It doesn't mean like we finally become never sinning. It means that we have no need to sin. We've been made whole. We're living in a, a, 
a, a place of satisfaction. We're not afraid. Gets even better. By this, we know that uh, we abide in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. This is huge because the Holy Spirit is the, is the Godhead who dwells within us. And by dwelling in me, he is able to allow me to love because he pours love into me. Romans 5 says he pours love into my heart through the Holy Spirit given to me. So if I'm abiding in God and he in me, I'm going to know it just because of the Spirit. And, and we as believers, again, get to say, Holy Spirit, I, need to, I want to be aware that you're abiding in me, and I want to abide in you. You want to try that? Just an experiment? Uh, abide, in, abide in the Holy Spirit? Let him abide in us? Sure. Why not? Won't hurt. Close your eyes for with me, kind of so you shut out the day and shut out your neighbor. And just say, with a heart that believes and a mouth that speaks, that's how we engage with God. We do not, with heart believes, a mouth speaks. We believe in our heart, confess with our mouth. So let's say together, Father, thank you for the Son, for Jesus Christ, who you gave for me. For his resurrection and for life and for Holy Spirit and I receive Holy Spirit abide in me dwell in me fill me right now I want to be filled with a new baptism a new infilling of Holy Spirit right here right now in Jesus name Amen. Now, before you just stop, pull, breathe, receive. Think of yourself like the beautiful, thick milkshake that you want to get out from the bottom of that cup into your mouth through a straw. You just start to pull. I receive. I receive. I receive you, Holy Spirit. Everything the Bible says is accessible to all of us if we but believe. If we don't believe, we wait for him to prove it, and then often we go without receiving. It'd be like a milkshake sitting on your, on your table, and you got it, there it is, and there's the straws coming out of the top, and you're sitting there, and you go, man, do I want that milkshake. God, would you please put that milkshake in me? Could you please, would you mind? I just, I don't want to, I don't want to take advantage of anything. But, but I'm, I would love that milkshake, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, I don't want to do it. I, I don't want to be the one doing it. I mean, if I do it, then it's not, it's not you giving me the milkshake. It's me taking the milkshake. And I want you to give me the milkshake. You know, if you had a bunch of kids in your family, by the time you came to decide to put your mouth on that straw, someone else would already drink it, right? That's like our family was like, get it quick, grab it, bring it in. That's the way God is. He's not, he didn't make a decision, right? Pay it with his son, write it in the word of God for us to then say, can you, uh, can you confirm to me that that's mine? He's, he's teaching us maturity, which means that we accept the words that he's spoken as words that are true. We may not be able to produce them, 
but we can receive them. And we practice. We practice using our faith, pulling and receiving. The woman with the issue of blood, she had heard about Jesus. She had spent 14 years of her life, 12 years of her life, struggling to try to deal with an issue of bleeding that was not resolved. And the more she went to doctors, the more money she spent and the worse she got. Meanwhile, there's a man, Jairus, who's a ruler of the synagogue, who has a 12-year-old daughter who's just recently got violently sick. And he comes to Jesus and says, would you come and lay hands on my daughter? Because if you do, she'll be well. So he had expectancy that if Jesus could get to his house, put his hands on her, he would, she would be well. That moved Jesus. That, he moved with that expectancy. Hope is a powerful force that has to continually be activated based on the one you're asking and refreshed because of, if I know, I know you've got the power, you've got the means, could you come to my house? Jesus gets up. The entire entourage that follows Jesus, all the 12 disciples, they're, they're running interference. They're like his bodyguards, crowds going with them. And this woman with the issue of blood comes in the back behind the crowd because she had said to herself, she didn't even say it to anybody, but she said to herself, if I can but touch, just a touch, touch his garment, if I can just get, the, get to the trousers, if I can get his cuff of his trouser, if it was today, I could just grab hold of his sandal strap. If I could just touch his garment, I can be well. I'll be well. See, meanwhile, how many? 100, 200 people? They're all traveling with Jesus. Disciples are traveling with Jesus. Everybody's on their way. They don't really get Jesus, but he's on the way because someone called on him to do something for them and that they believed he was willing and able to do, so he's willing and able. Meanwhile, the woman jumps through the crowd, pushes through the, the disciples, and grabs the side of his garment, touches his garment, and immediately she's made healed. Well, just... She is so excited, so thrilled, so thankful. She's going to go home. Thank you, thank you. But Jesus, meanwhile, stops and says, Who touched me? Who touched me? And, you know, Peter has to say, Lord, you know, everybody's touching you. You want to be honest, we're trying to keep the crowd away, but we're being shuffled and ruffled and everybody's touching you. What do you mean, who touched you? He said, no, no, no. Someone touched me with faith because I felt virtue leave me. Now think about that. That means Jesus, Messiah, Son of Man, living in perfect union with Father God, in a fellowship, abiding in his love, being anointed with the Holy Spirit, able to do good and heal all oppress of the devil, actually had a miracle happen by accident. You know, some of us are going to get that later this afternoon. You know, we're going to think, you know, what in the world am I doing waiting for something when I could grab it and pull it? It's mine now. I want it. I need it now. I'm going to touch you, and I'm going to pull from you. See, that changes your prayer life. You don't pray and say, well, let's see what God thinks about what I prayed. No, just pray the Bible, and he thinks what you prayed. 
Just pray the Bible back to him and say, God, I can't produce this. I can't perform it. I can't even prove it. But I accept these words as true. And so I receive. I receive. And now pull with faith. Use your faith. She touched, pulled out, out of him, touched his clothes. There was no anointing in his clothes, but the anointing went from his body. But it was a point of contact. She had said, if I touch his garment, I'll be well. Think about that. Beloved, this word about love is so key to the earth today, to the church for sure. There is only, we have, there's only, we all have partakers of the love of God that was manifest in the Son of God that we're to abide in that love. And in that love, then there's perfection in every way we can imagine. But we're going to have to pull on it. We're going to love the world. We're going to love our enemies. We're going to love our people that we think are messing our life up if we're going to have an overcoming church. Church is not going to be overcoming by dictating new laws to people we don't like that we want them to do what we say. That already didn't work when they had a people that were God's people that said we want to know what to do so we can do it. You, and, and so, but the love, love, love is irresistible. Love, love stretched out his arms and said, I'll take that for you. And when we, the body of Jesus, can do the same thing to those that would take advantage of us and say, well, you may take advantage of me, but my father will use it for his advantage. You may hurt me, but my father will use it to heal you. You may take from me, but my Father will give back to me what you take from me. And I forgive you now before the fact. And I release you. And I let that love flow. So, Jesus is standing still. Nobody's answering except Peter, who's, as Peter always does, arguing with Jesus. <laughs> Finally, the woman realizes he knows he knows I got it. He knows I got healed. He knows I've been... T I, and we all know, according to Jewish law, he, she wasn't supposed to even be out of the house. She's unclean. So she has to come forward and describe, I'm the lady who touched you. And here's the issue why I did. I have a bleeding problem that has made me so completely unclean. But I had in my heart, and I heard about you, and so I said out loud in my heart, I said, if I touch you, I'll be whole. And I touched you, and I was healed. You see, it's starting to happen. Some of us are already starting to think about that. Well, if that happened for her, why won't it happen for me? Well, it will. It can. Of course it is. So she tells the whole story. And Jesus is all smiles. Because he, all he ever was confronted with was unbelief, hard hearts, wicked, perverse generation. He said, how long do I have to put up with you guys? It's not that hard. My father has provided life, salvation. Pull on it. Receive it. Meanwhile, the story's gone unfolding. And Jairus is standing there, as I would be, as a father with a distressed daughter. Uh, point of death, 
I'd be saying, I don't really care about what's going on with you, lady. Get, you know, quick, quick. We, you, you didn't make an appointment. I made the appointment. I'm the one who got him in the traveling mode. I'm the one who got him going, why are you interrupting this? And all of a sudden, he sees his worst nightmare. You talk about hope coming out of your heart. You see your servants, friends that are coming towards you from where your house is. And you know, you know there's only one reason. It's like getting a text you don't want to get, a phone call you're, in, you're not wanting to have to. T- you know it's bad news. And they say, why are you troubled? Don't, don't, your daughter's dead. We're so sorry. Your daughter's dead. So just let it go. Don't bother him. It was a good, good idea. Wish we could have got him there soon. Now, could you imagine Jairus? He might right then got into a rage. Or what if we couldn't have got there just a little sooner? Why? You know, because when she tells the whole story after she got a miracle, it could have been a half an hour. And Jesus is into testimonies. He loves to hear about what God the Father has done through the Son. Yay! But Jesus looks at her or looks at him. No, he looks at, yeah, looks at Jairus. And when he hears the report, he says, do not be afraid. Only believe. So Jairus had a choice right then. Am I going to fall down and inside of this, un- this fear, this, in- this, this dread, this worst news I could ever hear, anticipating it not to go, or what do I do? And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Believe. Don't believe. And so Jairus makes that choice. I'm going to say I'm believing. I'm going to, Jesus said to believe, that's what I'm going to do. See, God will say to us through the Son, by the Holy Spirit, in the Word of God, things to do that we don't feel like doing or think would be appropriate to do. But they're always key to do at that moment because it's the faith that it requires to do it that God rewards. He comes to the faith that... We said yes to the word that he's saying for us to do, whether it's in our heart, whether it's in the Bible, whether it's whispered by the Holy Spirit. It's, that's what I'm supposed to do. And so it says, Jairus, he, Peter, James, John, Jesus, all four of them head to Jairus' house, into the household. As soon as they're at the house, the mourners are there, the weepers are there, the, the bemoaning, the crying. And, and it's kind of a part of, I'm in the moment of despair, dread, and pain, and suffering. I'm so sorry. This is never should have happened to a father to have his 12-year-old daughter die. And Jesus walks in and goes, why are you weeping? The daughter's not dead. She's sleeping. And they go from mourning and weeping to scorning and reproaching and ridiculing. You idiot. You idiot. Do you really not think we can tell what death looks like? Sleeping. So Jesus, nicely, I'm sure he was very nice, but very firm, gets everybody out of the house. So I'm telling a story because this house is your head. And that daughter is that issue that you're longing for uh, resolution that may not be resolving, that needs a resurrection. And you need to stay, you want to you keep eyes on Jesus and do what he says. Now, Jairus' wife is there, and she's a homemaker, and she's, she loves to make everybody feel comfortable. Next thing you know, Jesus is driving the whole family out. Get out of here. 
out, 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 out. See, I have to do that to my brain sometimes. All your thoughts that are contrary to God's word. Get out of my thoughts. I'm not thinking your thoughts. I'm thinking God's word. Out, 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 out. And as I tell everyone, if you want to get your thoughts out that you don't like thinking, say something different against what you're saying. If you're afraid, say, I feel the love of God. I receive the love of God that drives out all fear. Hallelujah. All fear go. Because darkness is the absence of light. Light drives out darkness. Thoughts are loopy loops until your mouth speaks. Your thoughts stop. And you listen to what am I saying. That's why you can always tell you're in a bad place is you stop talking. To you, out loud, to God, to praise, you just, because you're knowing you're kind of, you're kind of being suffocated. Everybody's out. Jesus walks up, goes upstairs to the daughter, lays hands on her, says, Talitha, arise. Little daughter, rise. Come, alive. All because someone asked him to come to their house to pray for a sick girl. In the middle, she died, but he got her, he kept his faith because Jesus directed him, don't go into the fear, come back into the love, come back into trust. So let me finish this just really quick. So we know and abide in him and he in us because he's given us his spirit. And we see and testify the Father sent the Son to be Savior of the world. And whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So how about, would you do this just, just for the benefit of Jesus? Let's just say, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. All right, so God is abiding in you. And I'm abiding in God. Isn't that easy? See, if the Bible is not information, it's not even inspiration. It's an entrance into an encounter. We have known and believed the, the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. See, Jesus is commanding us to be loved by him and love as he loves us. And you say, well, I don't know if uh, I understand that because, uh, well, the Bible says you love me, so I've got to accept the fact that you fully love me. Now that I accept the fact and truth of that, then I'm going to love in the same manner to fully love others. That's how, how we accept and move into. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. This is so convicting to me all the time because fear involves torment or punishment, and he who fears has not been made perfect in love. How many times have I feared already today? Maybe 20 in thoughts, emotions that come. They want to just sweep me into another thought. I'm not perfect in love. I want to be. And love isn't made perfect one day and never changes because it's, it's constantly being challenged by the circumstances trying to threaten us. But when love is fully resident or when we're fully abiding and we're actively pulling, the next thing you know, fear starts to be displaced. 
Darkness leaves when light comes in. Fear leaves when love comes in. They're opposites. It, we love because he first loved us. Let's stand together. We, we, we're going to do a Jairus moment or a woman with the issue of blood moment. We're going to pull and receive the provision God has given us in the Son. And the basis today, which is going to give us so much strength, is we're going to pull love. We're going we're to know if I touch you, I will experience the love of God in you. And if I experience the love of God in you, then the love of God will flow through me to that where I need love to be and drive the fear away and bring about the sense of, of a knowledge that outcome is good. And I, so just hold up your hand. Tell the Lord, what are you? Come on, talk to the Lord for a moment. Please, just tell him, where's your thoughts going you don't want to go? Say a different direction for them to go. Say, I want the love of God to pour into my heart. I want to experience that love. I pull that love into my being. I receive the love of God. I receive your love. I'm not going home with the same problems I came to church with. That was already a promise. So I'm saying, problems, let go. And promises, be received. Love. The love of God. The love of God. Oh. To pull that love. Pull. It's, not, it's for everyone. It doesn't matter how we lived yesterday. It's all in the Son, in Jesus Christ. I receive your love. And let your love, let his love now go toward those around you. Meaning those that you live with and relationship with. Those you care for. Those you're in conflict with. Those that are fighting against you. Let love flow. Let love flow to the children, grandchildren. Let love flow to your employer, employee. Let love flow to your neighbor. Let love flow to your parents. Oh, the love of God. See, that's how we're going to live through life, is through Jesus Christ. Whoa. Yeah. Just hold your hand up like a big old funnel. And while we worship, just keep pulling the love in and sending God's love out. Pull. Pull. Who can contain? Pull. Depths of your love. Who can explain marvelous works, wondrous ways? Who can contain the depths of your love? Come on, come on. Who can explain your marvelous works, wondrous? Who can contain? Contain yes, Lord. The depths of your love it's coming, and who can oh. explain? See your marvelous works, your wondrous. Who ways. can contain? Who can contain the depths of your love? And who uh -huh. can explain your marvelous works? 
Father, let's make this declaration together over our lives. And we'll be able to go on into this day having a, a declaration that we can agree with as we go into the day. And then we'll continue worship, but you'll all be dismissed. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you gave Jesus when no one wanted him. No one believed in him. No one thought he mattered. But you knew and had faith that he did matter and would change everything. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave your life to the Father's will when no one wanted you to or believed it would matter. But you believed and believed God would raise you from the dead. Holy Spirit, thank you that you make these things real. Activate, manifest, demonstrate miracles and the real power of God's love in us. We believe, we believe the love of God drives out all fear in our hearts, our minds, our homes, our neighborhoods, our nation, the world, the love of God. Cast out all fear in Jesus' name. And so we will go forth in the love God has for us and give that love out now to those around us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Blessings.